Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 30. The book of 1 Samuel chapter number 30. We're going to begin reading with verse number 17. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. We're going to begin reading with verse 17. If I could go down just a little bit in the monitors, very little bit, but down just a little bit, and the sound people cannot believe I said down. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 30 began reading with verse number 17. The Bible says, Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. I want you to notice a phrase that occurs two times in these two verses, and that is, David recovered Oh, amen. I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments about the great recovery. Father, I thank you today, Lord, that I believe in my heart that a great recovery is going to happen and take place today in the heart and the life of your people. God, we could make this about New Bethel today, and we could say there has been a great recovery in the last 10 years, and we are grateful and we are thankful today. God, we just pray, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, open our ears to hear your word. Father, all for your glory and your honor, we pray in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, if you've lived very long, you will have come to realize that life offers many setbacks, reversals, losses, and temporary defeats. Somebody said, and I agree, the outcome of life is determined by this formula. That is, 10% what happens to us, 90% how we handle what happens to us. You see, some become bitter and some become better. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his followers experienced An incredible loss. And yet if you will read this chapter, you'll find out that before the chapter is over, they recover all of their losses. Now some of you that are here today have also suffered a great loss in your life. The question I have today is, will you recover what you have lost or will it be gone forever? The question I have for you this morning is, will will God replace what you have lost with something even better? I believe that the answer to these two questions will be determined by how you handle your setback, how you handle the reversal, how you handle the loss, how you handle that temporary defeat. I want us this morning to take a look at the 30th chapter of 1 Samuel and see if we can learn anything about, uh, from David about how to recover from loss. Verse 18 and 19 that we read says that he recovered all. So there's six things this morning that I, that I find in this chapter 
about recovering lost. Let, let's, let's begin this morning. Number one, let's look at the raid. The raid, and it's found in verses uh, 1 and 2 of chapter uh, 30 of 1 Samuel. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. Now we understand that Ziklag was the city that David was given to live in for a while, at least for his family to dwell in, while Saul was in hot pursuit of David. David's family, as I said, and possessions were in Ziklag. And the Bible says that one day David and his 600 men returned home to Ziklag but found that the Amalekites had raided and burned the city and had taken David's family hostage. Perhaps you are here today and the enemy of your soul has raided your life. John 10 and 10 says the thief or Satan comes to steal and he has come to kill and he has come to destroy. Let me suggest that perhaps Satan has raided your family. It could be a spouse that has been unfaithful. It could be a kid that is hooked on drugs. It could be a family member diagnosed with a fatal disease. Perhaps Satan has Raided your finances. It could be that that you were recently laid off at work. Could be perhaps an unwise business decision that sent your business on a downhill spiral. Might even have been a bad business decision by your boss, but the domino effect has affected you. Maybe it's the fact that Satan has stolen your future. Oh, you had everything perfectly planned. But something has happened to alter. Something has happened to destroy all of your future plans. I don't know this morning what your loss might be. I don't know what it is that has raided your life and stolen your dreams and your hopes. I do know that everything of real value that belonged to David was in Ziklag. His enemies raided the city and took it all. Second thing I find in this chapter is I find the reaction. And it's found, it's found in verse 3 through 10. What, what was the reaction to, to the raid? Well, verse 3 says that David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives, Ahinoam and the the Jezreelitess and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. 
And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to Brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the Brook Besor. Notice notice the reaction to the raid. And the reaction to this raid, I find it to be threefold. The first reaction I I see is the agonizing. The agonizing. David and all of his men agonized over their losses. They wept, the Bible said, until there were just absolutely no more tears to weep with. May I tell you this morning, it's okay to weep over your losses. Big boys do cry. And big girls do too. What was the reaction to the raid? Well, well, there was the, there was the agonizing, and then and then then there was the accusing. You see, see, it wasn't long after they quit crying until some of them started pointing an accusing finger at their leader. It's funny to me that in victory, the people say, look what we did. And in defeat, these very same people point at the leader and say, look what he did. David, David, who earlier was thought thought of as a hero, is now being thought of as a zero. Verse 6 says, the people spoke of stoning him. The third reaction to the raid was the asking. Verse 8, David inquired of the Lord. Sadly, I must tell you that the reaction of far too many people in crisis is ready, fire, Aim. Not David. Instead of accusing, he started asking. He started asking, God, God, what do I do about this situation? Somebody needs to hear this right now. Oh, oh, the devil has raided your life. He has stolen something very valuable and very fresh, very precious to you. Oh, and you have started playing the blame game. Oh, you pointed an accusing finger at this one and you pointed an accusing finger at that one. Oh, let me challenge you this morning. Stop accusing and start asking. James 1 and 5, if anybody lacks wisdom, ask God for it and he will give it to you. Your life has been raided. Begin to ask. Ask God. God, is there something that you want me to learn from this? God, ask. God, is this a test? And God, if so, God, if this is a test, what do I have to do to pass the test? Ask God. how, How do you want me to react? Ask God, what do you want want me to do 
about this situation. The third thing that I see in this chapter is the relationship. This is very, very important. Listen up. The relationship found in verse 11 through 17. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. They gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? He said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Kirithites in the territory that belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there were there. There they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing. Because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. Do you notice the relationship? Because you see, more often than not, the key to recovery is a person. Let me say that again. More often than not, the key to recovery is a person. Because God uses people. And the Bible says that God placed the man, a servant of an Amalekite, David's enemy. But God placed him in David's life. And this man was key to David recovering what had been stolen from him. May I tell you this morning, there are no coincidences in life. There are no coincidences in life. God places people in our lives at particular times in our lives that we might have God's divine purpose. Therefore, we, we, we need to become more aware of the people that God places in our life. We walk through life oblivious to the fact that God has placed certain people in our life for a particular time and for a particular purpose. If I had the time this morning, I could go back down memory lane in the last 40 plus years of ministry and I could share with you about five pastors, five men who were key to my spiritual and pastoral growth at key times in my life. We need to be more aware as we walk through life of the people that God has put in our life. They're there for a purpose. Not only do we need to become more aware of the people that God places in our lives, we need to become more appreciative 
We need to become more appreciative of the people that God places in our life. I've said it before, but I want to say it again. I am here today. And next Sunday I will celebrate 10 years as as lead pastor of this church. But I am here today because... Because of relationships. I knew someone who knew someone who knew someone. If any one of these three relationships did not exist, I would not be standing here this morning. I would never have come here. I would never even have ever heard of a Bethel Assembly of God in Arlington. The key to recovery, or the key to recovering what you have lost will be found in a person. God will, or He already has, place somebody in your life. Somebody to help you, somebody to bless you, somebody to minister to you, somebody to direct you, sometimes somebody to rebuke you. I remember a particular pastor who rebuked me one time, made me so mad. I went home and told my wife what that pastor had the gall to tell me. And she said, honey, I've been telling you that for a long time. Perhaps you are looking all around. You're looking here. You're looking there. You're looking everywhere for that person. uh, When God has already placed that person in your life. But you are unaware and you are unappreciative. The man that God placed in David's life at this time led David to where his enemies were. And to where David's family and possessions were. And David... David took it from there and and David did a surprise attack of his enemies as they were too busy partying with all of David's stuff. They were too busy hooping and hollering and rejoicing and and, and dancing and and, oh, look at the staff that we have have gotten from Ziklag. The fourth thing that I, I see in this chapter is the recovery. And it's found in verse 18 through 20, David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, small or anything, which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds that they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. The recovery. What did they recover? First of all, they recovered their loss. They recovered their loss. David recovered every single thing that the Amalekites took from him. 
Oh, I believe this morning that somebody needs to hear this today. Yes, 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 the enemy of your soul is stolen from you. Yes, yes, you have suffered loss. But oh, listen, this morning, if you will stop accusing and start asking. Oh, if you will stop pouting and start praising. Oh, if you will inquire of the Lord, if you will ask God for direction. Oh, if you will become aware and appreciative of that particular person that God has already placed in your life. I'm here to tell you this morning, you too can recover. Recover all. You can recover your loss. May I tell you this morning that God knows what the devil has done with all of your stuff? Can I tell you this morning that God will or already has placed a person in your life that will help you recover your loss? But I want you to notice that not only did David and his men recover their loss, but also they recovered the loot. See, not only did they get up, get back all of their stuff, but they also got all of the possessions of the Amalekites. You see, not only can God help you recover what you have lost or what has been stolen from you, but God can give you much more than you ever had or that you ever hoped to have. Pastor, what do you know about this? I know a little bit about it. I remember a particular time in my life, in my ministry, when I allowed Satan to steal from me something that was unbelievably, incredibly important and valuable to me. And I remember thinking after the fact, I'm not sure Things will ever be this way ever again. I'm not sure I'll ever have what I have ever again. I'm not sure if I'll ever feel about a place like I've felt about this place. I'll never forget the agony I experienced. I'll never forget the emotions I felt, the depths of despair that I walked through. But the good news is, through God's blessing, in time, in time, Not immediately, not instantly, not overnight. It took time. It took several years. But in time, God has helped me recover everything the enemy stole from me. And not only has God helped me to recover everything that the enemy stole from me, uh, oh, but I want to tell you that God has given me more than I originally had. Uh, oh, He did the same thing for a man named Job. He did the same thing for a man named David. Let me tell you this morning, if God can do it for us, He can do it for you. Amen. The fifth thing that I find in this chapter is the resentfulness. Always is some in there. Just always got to be some. Verse 21 through 25. 
David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered. Eh, Except for every man's wife and children. We don't want that responsibility. (laughs) That they may lead them away and depart. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part... But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. And so it was from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now listen very carefully. This is very important. 200 of David's 600 men did not go into battle with David, but instead stayed in camp with the supplies and guarded the supplies. And some of the 400 men who did go into battle with David to recover what they had lost, their thought was that it wasn't fair for the 200 who, who, who stayed and guarded the camp to share in the spoils of the Malachites. But David wouldn't have anything to do with it. He, he wouldn't listen to them. In fact, David made it a law that not only those who fought in the battle, but also those that stayed behind and guarded the camp, they also should share in the spoils. David made it a law. Let's think about that for a moment. I think we can learn three lessons right here. The first lesson is this. 200 men did not go all the way with David, but they did help along the way. They didn't go all the way, but they helped along the way. Now, friend, we can become bitter and we can become angry at people who drop out on us along the way. Or we can be appreciative of what they did contribute to us along the way. Because, you see, God places some people in our lives for the long haul. And others for a particular and specific time or task. Now next Sunday, I'm going to celebrate, my wife and I are going to celebrate 10 years at New Bethel. And in 10 years, there are people who have come and gone in 10 years. Truth of the matter is, people were leaving before I got here, and people didn't stop after I got here. And some of these people I'm hoping we'll be here next Sunday. Now I can be bitter at those who are no longer with me or I can be appreciative of the time and the effort they gave me when they were here. And I choose the latter. 
Second thing we can learn here is that everyone has a place. And this is good. Everyone has a place. There was a battle to be fought, and so there was a need for warriors, and yet somebody still needed to guard the stuff. What good is it to go in and win a battle and take your stuff back and maybe get some more stuff, but what you have, the little bit that you have, somebody else comes in and gets it. Because nobody's guarding the camp. May I say this this morning, and I've got to hurry, but, but in church we need people on the platform. But there's an equal need behind the scenes. Everyone has a place. And the third thing that we can learn right here is not everyone of the 400 who went to battle was an asset to David. Verse 22 says, And all the wicked and worthless men of these, of who, David? Of those who went with David. Did you hear it? All the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David. Let me tell you this morning, things aren't always as they appear on the surface. Some of the men who went with David were actually no help at all. The Bible says that Jesus had 12 disciples and one of them was the devil. Don't become resentful when things appear a certain way. Things are not always as they appear on the surface. Listen, let me tell you this morning that some of God's most mighty warriors have never preached a sermon. They've never led a worship song. And they've never sat on a deacon board. But they have hid themselves away somewhere and fought spiritual battles in prayer. And the last thing and certainly not least important, that I see in this chapter is the reimbursement. The reimbursement is found in verses 26 through 31. Oh, this is so significant. Now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel, those who were in Ramoth of the south, those who were in, in Jatir, those who were in Aror, those who were in uh, Sifmoth, those who were in uh, Esh, Eshtimoa, those who were in Rachel, those who were in the cities of, 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 of the uh, Jerahamelites, those who were in the cities of the uh, Kenites, those who were in uh, Horma, those who were in uh, Korashan, those who were in, in Athak, those who were in Hebron, and all to all the places, notice, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. Now listen to me this morning. What did David do with all the spoils he took from the Amalekites? Did he keep it all? Did he add it to all of his possessions? No, David blessed those who had blessed him. 
He blessed those who had blessed him. Those who had helped him when he was running from Saul. Those that had given to him. Those that had hid him. Those that had housed him. David remembered those that had helped him along the way. I'll never forget, it goes back to the middle 80s now. I first came in contact with Dr. John Bosman, who brought his family from a thriving ministry in South Africa and come to America and started, just started. And through relationship, he came to my church. An incredible, incredible move of God. I'll never forget it was about Christmas time now, and I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit, but I began to think about Dr. Bosman and his wife and his two boys. What are they going to do for Christmas? Are they going back to South Africa? Are they, well, I don't think they have a house. What are they going to do? I called him. I said, Brother, Brother John, this is Pastor Dubois. I was just wondering what you and your family were going to do for Christmas this year. He said, oh, Pastor Dubois, we will probably have Christmas in the motel. I said, no, you won't. No, you won't. My wife and I are going back to Oklahoma for Christmas for a week with our family. And you, your wife, and your two sons are going to have Christmas. And you're going to have Christmas week, the entire week, in our home. We'll give you our home for a week. The refrigerator will be stocked. The deep freeze will be stocked. The pantry will be stocked. The tree is already put up. We want you to spend Christmas week in our home. He paused. Then he said, Pastor Dubois, I will not forget you when I get to the top. I said, Brother John, who said, I'm going to be on the bottom. (laughs) Fast forward about 10 years from that. He spent several years traveling as an itinerant evangelist, and then he became pastor of a church like Charles, Louisiana. Took the church from about 400 to over 3,000. He's pastor in a mega church. He calls me one day and he says, Pastor Dubois, he said, I want you to come. I'm having a pastor school in my church. I want you to come and I want you to be my guest of honor. Long story short, he brought me to Lake Charles. He put me in what he called the prophet's chambers. Because you see, when he traveled as an evangelist, the churches put him in the most horrible places. Not all of them, but many. We became pastor. He said, I will build a prophet's chambers, and I promise you that it was equivalent to the Hilton. And he put me in the prophet's chambers, and he gave me a book that thick of his literature. He set me on the front row of his pastor school. And then on Wednesday night, when they had a big celebration night, he brought me in front of his entire congregation. He told the story. I was just first in America. I was struggling. I had no home. I had no place for Christmas. And he began to weep and he began to cry. He began to tell the story of how this man provided a home for my family for the week 
Christmas. See, he had a mega church. He didn't have to remember me. That was 10 years ago. And I didn't think I'd done anything very much anyway. But he didn't forget. Someone who was there for him along the way. Let me ask you this morning, who, who helps you get where you are? I love the little story that's told about the turtle that was sitting on top of the fence post. Somebody walked by and said, well, it's obvious he didn't get up here all by himself. Who is it this morning that, that helped you get to where you are today? Who is it that helped you Along the way, who, who do you need to bless? Who do you need to think? Who to thank? Who do you need to remember? Who do you need to reimburse? Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to write a letter of appreciation. Maybe you need to give someone a gift. Jim Collins, author of Good to Great, said, Great vision without great people is irrelevant. Mike Benson says, great leaders without great followers won't get the job done. I want to say thank you, New Bethel, for being great followers. Musicians and singers could get back in place this morning very quickly and very quietly, please. The question I have for us today is, have you lost something? Has the devil raided your life? Has the thief stolen something very precious and very valuable from you? The real question is today, how are you going to respond? Because your response will determine your future. Will you become bitter? Or will you become better? Will you pout? Or will you praise? Will you accuse? Or will you ask God for help? It's up to you. With God's help, you too can experience the great recovery. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Father, I just pray today that you will take this word this morning. God, no doubt... No doubt this is manna from heaven today. No doubt, God, this is, this, is, this is more than just some sermon outline today. This is a message for someone that needs to hear it today. Oh, God, I pray that they will respond correctly today. In the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this room today, I, I wonder if you are here this morning and you would lift your hand And as you lift your hand this morning, you are silently, you are saying, I've lost something. You you will be saying, Satan has stolen something very valuable and very precious from my life. Would you lift your hand this morning, anyone in this room? God bless you all over this room. Hands, hands are being lifted. This morning, if you have lifted your hand this morning that the enemy of your soul has stolen something from your life. If you have lifted your hand and you also this morning, you want to recover what you have lost. 
want you to come this morning. I want you to come to the front this morning. I believe that God is going to help us begin the process. The process of recovery is going to begin with you stepping out of your seat and coming to the front this morning. Come quickly. Come quickly. Those that lifted their hand. They're all over this room in every section. There are people that lifted their hand. Come on. Come quickly. Come quickly. Don't lift your hand and then just stand there. But come. Come and make the re- and respond this morning. Come and respond today. Come and respond today. Come and respond today. Keep coming. You lifted your hand. I, I saw hands lifted in all three sections. Probably a third of the people in this room this morning lifted your hand. So come on. Keep coming this morning. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming this morning. Keep coming. Keep coming today. Keep coming today. Keep coming today. Keep coming today. If you're here this morning and you've come here and you spent your time pouting, you need to stop pouting and you need to stop start praising. You're here this morning and you've been accusing, you've been playing the blame game. It's time to stop accusing and it's time to start asking. Start time asking time to ask God. Ask God. Ask God for help. Ask God to lead you through this. Ask God. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you have the right heart and the right attitude as you walk through this. Father, I just lift up each one that, that are here this morning. Just a, Lord, the, the front of this room is, is full this morning of people, Lord, who have lost something very valuable and very precious in their life. Many of them, the enemy of their soul has stolen, has robbed from them. God, I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will help them today. You will help them today. Father, first of all, help them to have the right heart and help them to have the right attitude today. Father, help them today, Lord, to reach out to you. God, you said if any man lack wisdom, let him ask God and God would give it to him liberally and God would not chastise him for asking. And so, God, we're asking today. We're asking you to join us in our struggle today. God, we're asking you to lead us today. God, we're asking you to help us to become aware of someone who you've already placed in our life, God, that can help lead us through this and help us lead us, help lead us back, Lord, to the possessions that we have lost. God, I just pray today, Lord, that that we will recover all. We will recover all. And God, not only will we recover all, but God, I pray that you will also do more for us in the end. Lord, and we will have more in the end, Lord, than we even had before the enemy stole it. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your hands in the air and just start praising Him this morning. Just start praising Him today. Just praise your way through victory today. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. I tasted and seen. 
of the sweetest of lives where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord and Holy Spirit you are with Wonderful day. Thank you for coming.